This is the All Markets Summit podcast from Yahoo Finance. Please welcome again Yahoo Finance's Editor-in-Chief Andy Serwer and Citigroup Vice Chairman Raymond McGuire. Good morning, everyone. Again, it's great to be back, and I'm delighted to be with our next guest, Ray McGuire, who is a top executive at Citigroup. And I can't be more specific than that because he's changed jobs a little bit recently, and he has a new title. And so I'll let you talk about what you do now, Raymond. Uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, I invoke the great philosopher of the 20th century, James Brown. I feel good. That's very good. My title is Vice Chairman of Citigroup and Chairman of our Banking Capital Markets Advisory Business. Okay. And you've been at the bank for a number of years. Can you talk a little bit about your career there, where you started, when you started, and how you got to where you are today? I, uh, well, that's a, there are a lot of questions included there. Let, right. me, let me tell you first at Citi. I started at Citi in July of 2005. Uh, and I came to City from Morgan Stanley, where I co-headed the Mergers and Acquisitions Group. My career started in September uh, of 1984. I was recruited to Wall Street by uh, Joe Perella mm-hmm. and Bruce Wasserstein, and what was then the first Boston Corporation, which is now Credit Suisse. And then uh, we started, well, let me be clear, they started, I was a bag carrier then. They started Wasserstein Perella in February of 1988. And uh, I was there until I transitioned to Merrill Lynch. And then from Merrill Lynch, I I went, I got recruited for the third time to Morgan Stanley. And in 2003, was asked to co-head the global mergers and acquisitions business of Morgan Stanley. In 2005, when changes began to uh, occur at Morgan Stanley, I got a call from Citi, and I spoke to Citi every day for 10 weeks. And I was recruited to Citi by a, uh, Michael Klein and a few others. And I've been at Citi ever since. I started at Citi as the co-head of what was in the investment banking business. And then we created the, we, we did what we'd advertised for a number of years, and that is we combined the corporate bank with the investment bank, and which we call CIB, Corporate Investment Banking, and I became a global head of that business. Uh, and I served in that capacity for 13 years, which I think makes me the longest uh, standing head of, of uh, an investment bank in the history of Wall Street. And I now, when we uh, combine the, the banking business and the capital markets business, we created a group of called Banking Capital Markets Advisory, which is run by two of my colleagues who are superior at what they do, mm-hmm. and I help them out, and I also help at the parent level, which is the title vice chairman of Citigroup. That's a lot of banking over a lot of years, right? It's a lot of banking over a lot of deals, uh, I mean a lot of years, and a few deals right. a few deals on the way. Right, so when you started in First Boston, at First Boston in the 1980s, things must have been pretty different. That was a frontier. Right, what, what's been the difference the biggest difference to you over the years? Oh, there are, there are numerous differences. I can tell you one, though. Um, when I convened a group of folks who look like me for lunch, there weren't a lot of people on the other side. So uh, I had lunch by myself often if I were looking to have somebody who represented diversity. So um, it's changed fundamentally over that time period. 
and um, my perception is that will continue to change for the better. It'll be that much more inclusive, which means we're going to get uh, the best minds uh, that, that reflect the mosaic, the rich mosaic of our demographics. And so I'm quite encouraged by that. So we've come a long way. Have you done work in that area to try to make banking more diverse and more inclusive yourself? Uh, I do that every single day. How? Every single day by, uh, by attempting to make certain that we monitor the progress of those who are existing on our platform and by making certain that we identify the up-and-comers. We have a program called Early ID where we have gone down to the sophomore level at college to make certain we have our outreach to be more expansive. We on Wall Street have traditionally recruited from, I would say, the, the schools that would be recognized as some of the schools that are more oriented towards finance. We've expanded that. And that's important. And we continue to expand that to make certain that the net that we cast is a wide net to ensure that we have identified, recruited, and retained the best and the brightest. And that's, that's the mission. We can only, this is a talent business. And uh, the best of our assets go up and down the elevator every day, with exception if they have a big M&A deal or a big capital markets deal, they, they may not make it down the elevator. <laughs> Um, at least to home, they can make it down to get their, their, uh, the meals that they've ordered, but they, they may not leave for a little while. We're sensitive to that as well, just trying to strike a somewhat of work-life balance. Are young people today, I love that phrase, millennials, are they different from when you were coming up? Are they different? Um, the answer is they are I think more aware, they are more conscious, they're more socially conscious, the result of which is that the, uh, and this is, this is different to the cycles that we've gone through. We went through a cycle in the dot-com era where for the, the incoming workforce we had to create uh, fruit stands and we had to have concierge services and, and that, that transition. Today it's different. The demands that our workforce are placing on us today are, are actually quite constructive. They're demanding that we be more socially conscious. And so while there, there clearly is the imperative of generating shareholder value, there is the imperative, which is fundamental to creating social value and be socially conscious. And so they're, they're quite focused on that and they're quite focused on engaging their careers, at least in financial services, and I would say uh, across the landscape of careers making sure that their employers have a social conscience. Shifting gears a little bit, Ray, what's going on at, at Citigroup and, and how's the bank doing? I mean, the financial crisis is a long way in the rearview mirror, but that did hit your institution very hard. It hit, it hit our institution hard, that's well known. Uh, we have recovered, and to say that we've recovered is probably an understatement. Uh, we today are the most global financial institution on the planet, full stop. We operate in 98 countries. We transact in any given day across our system four to five trillion dollars. And so as you think about capital flows and trade flows and payment flows, we are centrally 
organized to make certain that we facilitate that across the east and the west and the north and the south. Our capital base is as strong as it's ever been. And if you think about the strategy that we have going forward to serve the world's most sophisticated multinationals, we are as well, if not better positioned than any financial institution that exists anywhere. What about the regulatory environment and changes that you've seen there? Do you think the banking industry is overregulated, underregulated? What's your take? Over or under, I would say that the regulators attempt to reasonably regulate the, the trust, the public trust, if you will, of a financial services firm. And so I think you'll find adequate regulation. In some instances, it is uh, it's where it should be. In other instances, it probably can deserve some transition. Okay. I love that phrase. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that response. Well, what does that mean? Uh, transition? Yeah. We're transitioning now from an analog to digital world. And as we make that transition, we have to be mindful of all of the factors that come into play and how those factors get regulated. Cybersecurity, as an example. And how do you manage a uh, unregulated uh, forces that will have impact on consumers? And so the regulators have to be mindful of that. And as we're the caretakers of our clients, both investor clients, corporate clients, and, um, and consumer clients. We have to be mindful of how we go about doing that. And as you see technology innovation, technological innovation, infiltrating that, regulators and we have to be mindful of that. Ray, what is your take on the U.S. economy right now and the markets, particularly the equity markets? Uh, I would say that um, the U.S. economy remains strong, fundamentally strong. We need to probe that a, a bit more. We are at the lowest unemployment rate since December of 1969. So that's 30 years of the lowest unemployment rate. And the peak of the industrial, from industrial to a service-based economy, which peaked in kind of late 70s, uh, you can see that from the late 70s to the trend line goes to today, uh, we've transitioned from an industrial to a service professional-based economy. The challenge we have in that is that uh, wages have yet to catch up. Wages are stubborn. So if you come, if you think about my hometown, which is Dayton, Ohio, and I look at the landscape there relative to the landscape that exists in other areas where there has been a recovery from the Great Recession, the recovery has been not as balanced as what, what we hope for it to be. And so we need to be mindful of that. We need to be mindful that notwithstanding the, the less than 4% unemployment rate, others have yet to be able to recover. And that gets played out across the landscape of, for example, affordable housing. Low and moderate income, 11 million renters. Um, 11 million renters, if I look at that 11 million renters, 70% of those, uh, half of their income goes to renting. And so as we think about that, we as a firm think about that, we were able to facilitate the building of 36,000 units, $6 billion of investment. And so you have to be mindful of notwithstanding the headlines, there are others out there who have been 
who have, who have recovered less well, and we need to be mindful of those. I want to ask about politics, everyone's favorite subject. Um, I've heard of politics. Yeah, I know. You've got President Trump maybe on the one hand and AOC here in New York City, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the other side with maybe Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. Where do you come out on that? Are you concerned there is too much polarization? Uh, the answer is yes, that we are too polarized. And the result of which is that um, we need to move forward in, with a coalition. We need to move forward more collaboratively. There are some fundamental issues, some of which I've referenced, that our workforce is, is mindful of. Income inequality, as an example, I've referenced what's taking place with, with affordable housing. Uh, health and wellness and wealth. Let's talk about health. Health is the health of our climate. And if I think about the health of our climate and climate change, which is real, the polarization that you describe is not addressing that. And so how do we do that? We, in 2014, committed $100 billion to this. We are one of the signatures to uh, the UN Sustainable Development Goals. We, given our shipping uh, exposure in our shipping business, we were one of the early signatures to the Poseidon Principles, which puts a limit on uh, the carbon emissions coming from the shipping industry. So the polarization has stalled us in the debate, and we need to make certain that we continue to address the debate of health and wellness and well-being. I'll give you another infrastructure. If you look at the American side of engineers, one and a half trillion dollars of infrastructure needs. And how do we address that? So we put up 25 to 30 billion dollars uh, in infrastructure last year to finance that. And so we're mindful of it. Do we have all the answers? No. But are we aggressively and actively with a sense of urgency addressing them? Absolutely. We've identified them and we're coming up with creative ways to address it. And with the millennial workforce, they're motivating us to, to be even that much more aggressive. Good to hear you're on the case. We are on the case. Thank you. Please join me in thanking Ray McGuire of Citigroup. Ray, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.